Ephesians chapter 5. Let's just go ahead and begin reading right there in verse number 1. And uh, we'll read a few, a few verses down and we'll get into what the Lord has for us this morning. The Bible says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as it becometh saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, nor who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Verse 6 says, Let no man deceive you with vain words. Because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be ye not therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is, shame, it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Lord and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this morning. We thank you that we are able to gather together in your name, to gather to worship you, to, to lift you up, Lord, to see you high and lifted up, Lord, to hear from you, uh, Lord, through, through all kinds of things, in song and, and scripture, Lord, we just we love the fact that we can gather in your name and that you will hear us and receive our worship, Lord. We thank you. Lord, we pray for Sophia this morning, Lord. Help her with the decision uh, to which schooling to, to go forward with, Lord. Just lay upon her, Lord, the, the right guidance and uh, be with her parents to give them the right, uh, her parents to be give her the right guidance, Lord, as she makes those uh, decisions, Lord. And again, we thank you for this morning, Lord. Be with those who cannot be here, Lord, and be with us who are here. Lord, speak to us. Help us to maybe ignore the morning, Ignore the afternoon, Lord, put, uh, put our agendas to the side for a moment and just focus on the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Amen. Lord, help us to see you in our hearts and our minds. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So this morning we're going to talk about, kind of goes along with Brother Tyler's testimony about walking worthy. I want to begin, uh, again, by going back to chapter 4. I want you to look at verse number 1. The Bible says, I therefore, Paul writes, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Walking worthy is what we're going to talk about this morning. You know, we've been given a lot. Uh, what's the verse you were to? Whom much is given, much is required. Something along those lines. Somewhere yeah, there. Amen. <laughs> I was thinking about it when you were saying that. Uh, but that's a true statement. And we as Christians, have a, have, we've been given a lot. We have been given a lot. You know, in chapter 2 of Ephesians, the Bible talks about how we walked according to the course of this world. How we used to be children 
of the devil, children of disobedience, children of wrath. But Paul wrote that as a new creation in verse 10 of chapter 2, that we should walk in the ordinances of God. No longer walking according to the course of this world, but now we're walking to the course of God and in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then here in chapter 4, verse 1, again, we are to walk worthy. Verse 17 of chapter 4, I want you to see that. Verse 17 of chapter 4 says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the, in the vanity of their minds. So we're not supposed to walk as we used to walk as Gentiles. And then we get to chapter 5. We see this walking is began all the way through from chapter 1 and chapter 2 and then chapter 4 and then chapter 5. Well, he kind of hones in a little bit on what it means to walk worthy in this chapter. And he gives us some imperatives, if you will, and how we as Christians should be walking. How we should be walking. Walking is, of course, a reference to living, how we live out our lives, how one behaves. I like this definition, how one regulates their Christian life. So number one, we see right there in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 5. This will be our, our text this morning, the first 21 verses here. The Bible says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love. Walk in love. Real simply this morning, we are to walk in love. We are to walk in love. I like the word therefore there. Uh, be therefore, it is a direct connection to the verses right before Ephesians 32, in that we are forgiven. And that because we are now forgiven, because we are children of God, we are redeemed children of God, we are to be followers of God. You know, it really shouldn't surprise us that we should be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about it. How did the first disciples become Christians? I remember that. Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He looked up to uh, Peter and Andrew. What did he say to them? Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And then Peter and Andrew, they straightway left their nets, and they followed him. I always think it's kind of odd, and at least in my own life, I look back when I was saved as a young man, and then I, I said, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, but for 10 years, I didn't follow Jesus Christ. I wanted to follow. I think we all should follow Jesus Christ. By definition, Christians are followers of Christ. Countless people. Again, I used to be one of them. Claimed to follow Christ, but know nothing about him. And here in Ephesians, Paul wrote that we are to be followers of God as dear children. We are to walk in love. So when we kind of put this passage together, the Bible states that because we are forgiven, we should be followers of Christ, and our primary motivator is love. Our primary motivator is love. Now, I'm not talking about the world's definition of love here. The world is in darkness. We don't get our answers from the world. They're unable to shed light on the things of God. And God is love. The world's definition of love is close to hedonism and pleasure-seeking and gratification. But the love we are to walk in as Christians is the very love of God. Look at verse 2 again. And walk in love, and it gives us an example here, as Christ also hath loved us. How did he love us? He gave himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So we are not to walk as other Gentiles walk. We are to walk in love with Christ, as Christ also loved us. You know, love in the Bible is always connected to obedience. It's always connected to sacrifice. Always. Walking in love is synonymous to living a sacrificial life, living a life that gives to God, it gives to others. 
Turn with me real quick to Philippians, just a, a page or two to the right. Philippians chapter 2. The Bible says, If there be therefore any consolation, in verse number 1 of chapter 2, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love. What kind of love is this? To whom are we to be like-minded? Verse 5 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We are to be like-minded like Christ. We are to have the same love as Christ. So as verse state, and, and if you look down at verse 8 of Philippians chapter 2, how did he show that love? He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, Christ went to the cross, so we don't have to go to the cross. But we need also to crucify ourselves with the motivator of love. It's, you mentioned a guilt trip. We're, we're, that is not a purpose of any ministry. That is not even God's purpose, to give anybody a guilt trip. Our main motivator is love. I mean, what do you think? In my mind, I look back at my 27 years of marriage, and there have been times I've made lots of mistakes, but our primary motivator that keeps us together is love. We do things for each other because we love each other. And if we love God and we are to walk in love, we do things for God because we love him, for Christ. The love of Christ constrained Jesus to the cross. The love of God constrained him to the cross. And our love for him should constrain us to walk in love, to walk in obedience. Which brings us really to the next, the next point here in verse number 3, back in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. So in verse 1 and 2, he says, walk in love, as Christ walks in love, but fornication, in verse 3, and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. Verse 7 says, Be ye not partakers with them. Verse 8, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light. Now are ye light. We are to not only walk in love, but walk as light. Now walk in light, although that's a given. We are to walk as light. We are lights. We've been changed. God, through Paul, gives us Christ as the example, Christ as a reason to walk in love. He even references his sacrificial obedience as a sweet-smelling savor to God. And the inference from that text here is that our obedience is also a sweet-smelling savor, savor to God. And this isn't surprising for us parents because is it not a blessing when your children obey you? When they do it with a smile on their face? When, they, when they, you can see that they're doing it because they love you and they want to please you? That, that same feeling that you receive from that is what our, what our Savior, what our Heavenly Father receives. By contrast, Paul then, in the passage that we just read in these few verses, he gives us some examples of how we are to walk or live. Instead of walking in darkness... He gives us some examples of really of what not to do. Instead of doing these things, we are to walk in light. You were sometimes darkness, but now you are light. Think about who Paul is writing to again. He's writing to the Ephesians. What kind of city was Ephesus? It was a wicked, idolatrous city. And these Gentile Christians, like many of us, had a lot of baggage. 
They brought a lot of things to the church, to the congregation, to the Lord even. They had some things that they, they didn't want to let go. There was a lot of darkness around the church there in Ephesus, and some of that darkness had needed to be brought into the light of their lives so they can see it and get rid of it. What's that passage in the Old Testament and song where the, uh, the psalmist writes, Search my heart, O Lord, and show me if there be any wicked way in me. Many times I don't want to pray that prayer because I'm going to hold on to those things, but we need to let those things out. And that's what Paul's talking about here, about walk as light. And after giving some of those examples like fornication and so forth, he says, let it not be once named among you. Not just you need to hurry up and get it out of your life. He says, as a Christian, don't let it be named once among you as becometh saints. And there are at least truly two applications here. First, as lights, we are lights to the world. We are lights to the world. And the more we are like the world, the less our light shines in the world. And the less they see the gospel. 2 Corinthians 4.3 says, If our gospel be hid, who's it hid to? Those who are lost. When we lived in darkness, our actions were becoming of those in darkness. And now that we are light, our actions should become that of a redeemed saint. I'm not here to step on anybody's toes. This message was convicting to me. And I realize there are some things in my life that I need to just keep at bay a little bit more. And we're going to talk more about that here in a moment. Not my specific sins, but keeping those things at bay. And we see clearly here, I said, I give you one application. The second application of this text is that the Bible states that these sins are not to be named among us once. One time. In other words, the sins of fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, filthiness, foolish talking or jesting are not sins that we mature out of, Paul is saying. These are not sins that fall away through our sanctification. They are sins that are not to be a part of our life from the moment we are light. They are darkness, and they have been replaced with light. They are not to characterize us. Yes, there is a sanctification process for every Christian, and we have put these things as a part of our sanctification. But there are also some things in our life that we should just stop the moment that we've been transformed into light. You know, when I was, when I was saved at 19, there was a desire to go to church, there was a desire to worship, but then... I joined the army. <laughs> I just took it all the way, right? And it's not the army's fault. It's my fault. Uh, but then when my wife got saved and she started having this genuine desire to go to church, and I thought she was a nut because I didn't want to go to church with her because I thought the church was filled with hypocrites. I'd just be another one. But her desire was genuine, and I couldn't get away from it. So I gave my life again to Christ and rededicated my life to Christ, and here we are. Ephesians 5, 5 says that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, no covetous man who is an adulterer hath any inheritance in the kingdom of God. As was once put to me when I was not living for God, this question was given to me at the entrance of the McNair Barracks in Berlin in 1991 as I was coming through the gate and somebody was witnessing to me about the Lord Jesus Christ, who I was a Christian. And he, and he told, me about the, told me about the Lord. I told him I was, a, I was a Christian, and he grabbed my hand. He's like, when will Jesus matter to you? When will he matter to you? And that stuck with me for a lot. I mean, here I am many years later, still in my mind. When will Jesus matter to you? When will my life reflect the light that's within me? Coming to Christ for salvation is easy. 
God has made it that way. God has made it clear. His son paved the way through the cross. But living for him, let's be honest, it's not as easy as salvation. I mean, salvation is not easy because Christ paid. I mean, he did all the work there. But it's easy for us to receive that payment. But living for him is not easy. And quite frankly, it should come at a cost. It should come at a cost. I'm not saying that sin is absent in every true Christian. That is certainly not the case. But we should be characterized more by Christ than by any other thing in our life. We are to walk as children of light because we are light. And then look, look at verses 9 through 17. We won't read through all of them. Once you jump down to verse 15. And those passages for that, he talks about bringing those things into the light, bringing those things uh, uh, so we can see them that they are sin, have no fellowship with uh, these unfruitful works. And then in verse 15, he says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, put ye, or be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So we are to walk in love, walk as light, and we are to walk the line. We are to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. You know, in Paul's command to walk in light, he gave us some characteristics of those who do not walk in light as an example of what not to do. And in our outline this morning, walking in line, walking the line, uh, has to do with bringing those things to light so that we can continue to walk worthy. Verse 11 again, stresses that we are not to have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but we are to reprove them. Reprove means to convict, to convince, or bring out into the open, because verse 13 states, all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. In other words, let's put all this together. In our walking worthy, there are some things that we may or may not know are sins in our life, and we could be deceived by the, the vain words of darkness that Paul talks about here. And verse 17 states that because the days are evil, the time is short here, we are to be wise in understanding what the will of the Lord is. So how does that make sense? We must live by faith. We must live by faith knowing what the will of God is in every moment. In every moment. In other words, when something comes in our life, we're supposed to be able to recognize it and not waste time going down that avenue, not waste emotional strength, physical strength, spiritual strength, not anything. We don't want to waste any time because we want to know what the will of God is. How many times, how many of us, you probably don't want to raise your hand, we go down the road, we're thinking that God called us down that road, or maybe we didn't put any effort into God, we get down there, and we're halfway down the road, or maybe almost to the end of that road, and realize, you know, I probably shouldn't have made this turn. I probably shouldn't have made this turn. And if you're like, if you're anything like me, I almost refuse to do an about face and walk back the same way. I said, there's got to be a quicker way back, right? It's like driving around. You never want to backtrack. But in our life, in our walk with the Lord, we must always go back to Christ. Let no man deceive you with vain words. Be aware of those things. Bring everything into light into the light of Scripture, into the light of the church here, into the light of prayer. We are to be wise. As Christians, we are to be wise. We are to be awake. Look at verse 14 again of chapter 5. It says, Wherefore he saith, 
Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. So verse 14 states that we are to be awake in the light of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to point out that this is not a proof text, and I am not a politically charged preacher here, but this is not a proof text for the social movement of being woke. And it's not. I'm sorry. <laughs> but by definition, there is no awakening, there's no being woke, if you will, without Jesus Christ. Because without Him, we're what? We're dead. We are dead in our sins. So if you truly want to be woke <laughs> to the earthly issues and to the eternal issues of life, find Jesus Christ and tell other people about Jesus Christ because only in Him is there true love, only in Him is there true peace, and get this now, only in Him is there true equality. Only in Christ. Only in Christ. Practically speaking, as we bring these issues, as we walk the line, as we bring these issues or anything whatsoever in the light of Christ, we will recognize them for what they are, and we will walk circumspectly. You know, to walk circumspectly simply means to walk diligently. In context, it denotes our awareness of things, our awareness of sins, bringing them again into the light, and avoiding them. And there's a couple ways we can do this. There's a couple ways we can apply this text here what it means to walk circumspectly. I think of it like I heard a preacher say one time, um, if, if sin, you know, if you're walking through your line, you're, you're trying to walk, living the Christian life, and you see sin, to walk circumspectly, you, you identify that sin, and you walk around it. You don't let it, you don't go near it, you stay away from that sin. And I'm not going to leave those keys there because I might not be able to get back up. But, but you stay away from them. You, you, you walk circumspectly. Thank you, sir. We see a thing, as the Bible says, we prove that thing, we bring that thing into light, or better yet, we shine the light onto it with, with the word, we identify it as, a, as sin, and we keep an eye on that until it's out of our purview. We don't want to be entrapped in the sin. Another way is that these sins inevitably will come close to our walk with the Lord. It doesn't matter who you are, a pastor, missionary, brand new Christian, you're walking that line, you're trying to do what's right, picture it as a highway, um, and we're trying to do what's right. The devil knows that you're a Christian. Don't let, that, don't let that sink in a little bit. He knows you are a Christian. He knows that you are his enemy. He knows it more than you know it. He knows it more than I know it. And he will do his best to lure us from Christ through deceit and deception. He will do his very best. But we are to recognize the wiles of the devil and stay the course. We are to stay the course, regardless of how attractive he makes those billboards on the exits. Like you're driving through I-95 or whatever it may be, and there's this fancy Cracker Barrel sign, and you know you got to get where you got to go. You don't have time to go to Cracker Barrel. Don't go to Cracker Barrel. Go to church. <laughs> go to church. Stay the course. Amen. Walk the line. This is going to go online. I don't get sued by Cracker Barrel or something. I don't know. But we don't have a Cracker Barrel, so it's all good. Well, some of us have Cracker Barrel here pretty soon. But I would like to point out that we need to walk the line, regardless of whatever the attractions are, and we walk it not fearing retribution from God the Father, because we have a loving Father. We are to walk the line because we are light. We are divine partakers of God's glory. 
I mean, I love that passage there in 1 Peter that we are divine partakers. God inhabits me. He lives within me. Christ liveth within me. He lives within you. I mean, we talked about it many times here. Where, where we go places, we take him with us. Will he always be pleased about where we go and what we see and what we read and what we listen to? And on and on and on. What are we doing with the light within us? We are light because he is light. And we do these things because we love him. And we love him because he loves us. Think about the love. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we could be called the children of God. Amen. I mean, what a, what a love. We are children of the light. We are to walk in light. We are to walk in love. We are to walk the line. And then lastly, real quickly here this morning, look at verse 18 down to 20. The Bible says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lastly, we are to walk with life. We are to walk with life. In this passage, Paul makes a direct correlation. Well, I'll get that here in a moment. But think about this. This is kind of the mindset I got with Walking with light. Let me just go through all these real quickly. I, I know I've kind of went through these kind of fast this morning. We are to walk in love because he loved us. We are to walk as light because we are light. We are light. We are to walk the line because he is worthy. And then walking with life has to do, in my mind, in this application here this morning, is to walk lively. How many, of, how many Christians are like, I had a pastor friend of mine down in Garmish. Many of y'all know him, Pastor Jonathan. He says many Christians are, have an Eeyore. Christianity, you know, from Winnie the Pooh, oh, whoa, it was me, you know, they're just not happy, and I don't know if I can say we should have a Winnie the Pooh kind of minute, or a Christianity, because I don't think he's any happier either, but we should have a Christ-like ministry, we should be filled with life, filled with life, we should be happy, happy Christians. Paul makes a direct correlation here in this passage between being drunk and being filled with the Spirit. Maybe you're thinking, oh, pastor, you had to bring in alcohol. I'm just following the book here. Paul is not directly addressing the dangers of alcohol uh, and the sins associated with it, but the contrast is clear. The filling of wine, it's the filling of wine versus the filling of the Spirit. No matter how one chooses to understand this verse, and you can choose to understand it however you want, the command is to be filled with the Spirit. And you can't be filled with the Spirit when you're filled with wine. That's the contrast that Paul made here, made here. Even the outcome of these two things between the two are at odds. Remember our discussion a few weeks ago about the mind being the battleground? You remember that? The mind being the battleground between the spirit and the flesh? How that as Christians, as born-again Christians, now if you're not a Christian, then you don't have that battleground. Uh, you can try to do what's right, but you don't have the spirit of God living within you. So... We've not really talked about that this morning, but if there's not been a time in your life when you've accepted Christ as your Savior, don't wait another day. We've not promised tomorrow. Life is but a vapor, James says. It could be all over today. You could be standing before God. Make sure you're doing so with Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if you're 5 years old, 15 years old, 20 years old, 50. We will all stand equally before God. Your pastor won't be there with you, your spouse, your mom, your dad. Just you before a creator God. 
that should scare you a little bit, especially if you don't have Christ. But here, as Christians, we have a battleground in the mind. Our minds are always subject to either our outer man, which is the flesh, or our inner man, which is the spirit, right? Y'all remember that conversation, right? So being drunk with wine, get this now, brings the mind into subjection to the outer man. Being filled with the spirit brings the mind into subjection to the inner man. It's that simple. We are to be filled with the spirit. And when we see, when we as true redeemed Christians, as lights, as children of God, are filled with the Spirit, we will also be filled with life. Now, I'm not talking about eternal life, although that is also true. I'm speaking of liveliness. Remember when the, the Egyptians sent soldiers to kill the Hebrew women? Remember some of the response they got back from the midwives? They said, we can't kill them. They're lively. I mean, it's a secular understanding, but they looked at the Jews who were in slavery. They were, their husbands were beating and, um, not beating them, but beating bricks and building all kinds of things for the Egyptians. And the women were lively. They were happy. They, were, they found that peace in God. And the Hebrew, uh, the, uh, the midwife rather, went in there. We can't do anything. They're lively. How do you, they're, they're always smiling. You ever met somebody that's always smiling? <laughs> they're happy people. They're fun to be around. Be happy. In 1 Peter 2, 4, the Bible says that we are lively stones. We, we should enjoy true life. So many Christians, again, live according to the circumstances. And it affects their decisions. It affects their deportment. But we are not to live that way. We are to live by faith. And is our future bright or is it dim? It's bright. It's bright. Mm -hmm. We have... We, okay. I've read the end of the book. We, we win. It's, and millions of years from now, you're going to maybe think back at this and be like, man, what was I so worried about? Why was I worried about Corona? Why was I worried about this? Why was I worried about that? I'm not saying don't take precautions in this life, but they don't affect our decisions and deportment, especially as we walk with God. We trust Him. We live by faith. Verse 19 then gives us a recipe and a remedy to live by faith. A recipe that will keep us walking with life and a remedy that will restore our walking with life. Look at those two things, speaking and singing. Speaking to ourselves and singing unto the Lord. Speaking and singing within ourselves to the Lord. You know, we should have a song in our heart. We, Christ is our song. There's so much for us to be joyous about. You know, when I was, when I was growing up, and I don't know if my old man, my, my father still does this, but it wasn't manly for him. And many men of my of that era to sing during church. I don't know. If you seen that? This, they just. I mean, all the women singing. A couple of the men, most of you know, the mechanics and the construction workers, not singing at all. David sang. David was one of the most manliest men in the Bible, and he sang. Make a joyful noise. Sing to yourselves and sing to the Lord. Keep reminding yourselves of what the things of the things that God has done for us. Remind ourselves through word and song about the victory we have in Jesus Christ. And if we do those things, we will undoubtedly find ourselves filled with life and happiness. Now, I'm not much of a singer. I will make a joyful noise. And if none of y'all heed to Tyler's exhortation, you will soon hear that. <laughs> but here, that wasn't that funny. <laughs> 
But I remember one uh, one time about about a decade ago here in this church, I was I was a soldier stationed here, and I was singing. We were doing some maintenance around the church, and I was singing a song to myself. I don't know what it was, Victory in Jesus or something along these lines. And one of the deacons, brother brother Dexter Robinson, you remember him, right? He brought this verse to mind, and I was encouraged, so I quoted it to him. I was like, yes, yeah, uh, giving thanks all, or uh, speaking to yourselves in psalms and spiritual songs, singing in your heart and all those things like that. And he looks at me. He's like, where are you supposed to sing? I'm like, to, to yourself. And he's like, just, just checking. You were kind of loud. <laughs> now we both laughed together. And he was just, he was just kidding. <laughs> but we need more. <laughs> You're going to text him right now. Maybe I, do have a, I need to let it go, because it's been a decade. So, uh, <laughs> I need to listen to my old messages. But you know, we do need more happy Christians. Laughter is a sign of freedom. Laughter is a sign of being liberated. Have we not been liberated? There's nothing on this planet that can ever touch us. We will live forever in Jesus Christ. What is that the, the, the psalmist said, David? What can man do unto me? I will not fear man. I serve God. God is with me. There's nothing that's going to happen in this life to you unless God allows it. And God doesn't bring you to anything unless he's going to bring you through it. Trust God and be happy. Be happy in the Lord. We need Christians who can smile during the rough times. Smile during the tough times and the worst of times. And no matter what this life throws at us, because we are light and because we have that light, we have a light that cannot be extinguished. We can even have a joy in the face of any darkness. It doesn't matter what comes at us. Because of Christ, we can have joy. We can walk with life. Because of Christ, we should walk with life. Walk the line. Walk is light and walk is love. And I'll leave you with this. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, I want to take ownership of this passage here. I beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Walk worthy because he is worthy. He is worthy. Let us pray.